2020, God exposed America with a bunch of viral particles, a plague. God flicked and we buckled. Our political leaders shut down their states in fear. Our pastors abdicated the church as non-essential. And we have been scattered by petty, tyrannical resolutions and edicts into our homes or hiding our shame with masks. Businesses have been shut down by arbitrary, non-essential labels. Strip clubs, pot shops, and abortion facilities remained open while churches were threatened, regulated, and fined. First Amendment rights were trampled on as we Christians were arrested by despotic, unprincipled local governments. Citizens were harassed by unelected health districts, and communities were threatened in their houses by cops. This sounds like a third world country, a bad dream, but it is not. It is the new America. This America is ruled by fear. This America is ruled by opportunistic politicians who don't give a damn about you. This America breeds a compliant citizenry that cares more about their strip clubs and DoorDash deliveries, that cares more about their safety and their comforts, than the truth that Jesus is King of Kings and that our freedoms are protected by the Constitution. This America is worse than King George III's America. It's time to take a stand, but to stand requires courage and courage requires repentance. What we need is reformation and revival in our churches, in our families, in our communities, in our businesses, and in our government. Every square inch needs the blood of Jesus. We need to cease this moment where all our sins, fears, and failures have been exposed by God through this plague and gather to sing psalms, to feast, and to get strengthened, to be encouraged, and equipped to lead America back to Jesus, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Governor after governor instituted some sort of shutdown, ignoring your constitutional rights. There was one governor, one state, that did not buckle and join the crowd of governors driven by fear. Governor Christine Nome has stood strong through this pandemic. And so we are bringing our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast rally to Rapid City, South Dakota, April 29th through May 1st. Join us in the land of the free and the home of the brave as we learn to love God, sing songs, and defy tyrants. Is the Second Amendment absolute? No, not according to Biden. No. Is truth absolute? Is the 14th Amendment absolute? That's what I'm asking. (laughs) That's what you want to know. (laughs) Well, we got doctor, not doctor, but he should be. He's a doctor. He probably are. Rod Martin in the studio (laughs) with us. Pastor Toby Chuck Knox. I'm the water boy. Good to be with you guys on on the Sunday special. I'm going to look at that camera, Neil. Why are you doing this? It doesn't matter. I'm just happy that Neil's here. I know. Neil, Welcome back, Neil. Neil, who's yeah. still single, um, had foot surgery. <laughs> oh, um, did, did, did you get married while you were gone, Neil? <laughs> no. You did, didn't get married. Oh. Okay, but we got the foot fixed. But we got the foot fixed. Okay, it's getting better. Well, it's it's getting better. I think he got, he got a plate in there. Did you get a plate in your foot? Uh, just screws. Just screws. Just screws. Well, there you go. So our, our producer's back in the studio. We're glad to have him. And, yeah. uh, but he's not going to be... At the rally, mm. Man. he can't come to the rally because we can't carry him around everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we aren't going to carry his loss. Well, well, Sorry, let me put Bill. it this way: we aren't going to carry him around <laughs> <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> so make sure, hey, um, uh, now that we're getting closer to the rally, for those who sign up to be a club member and can't come to the rally, you guys can actually get access. We'll, we're actually live streaming Woo-hoo. all the talks. I feel God right there. Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> 
uh, behind to our club members in the club portal and everything. So if you can't join us at the rally, we will be live streaming to yep. members in the club portal. Become a member, live stream it. Yeah, and then of course, if you still come to the conference, uh, you can join the club and, and still get a discount all the way up. Hundred dollars off, all the way up to the front door. You're Your losing apology. money. You're losing money if you don't you sign up. Get a hundred dollars off for the club members coming to this to Rapid City. Rapid City, April uh, 29th through May 1st. We got a couple, a number of cool events happening. Darren Dones doing the after party. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's he hey doing? Camp. He's bringing in a musician. That's gonna play Some at, uh, at Hay Camp. Live music, yeah, yeah. Hay Camp. Yeah. Okay. This, this thing has turned into a festival, and it's a and it's a, and it's a brewery. <laughs> it's a brewery. It yep. Yeah. They're bringing. A, there's gonna be food trucks up there at the brewery. It's gonna be a whole whole good. There's a place to smoke cigars because we're we're releasing our Fight Laugh Feast cigar label. What at the conference? That's what? Right. Yeah, right. Fight Laugh Feast cigar cigars? label. I'm so excited about that. Oh mm. man, Rod, do you smoke Silver. cigars? Hallelujah, gold. Hallelujah, not. good. Oh, man, we gotta work on that. Just keep you can't. Stop, can you? So you don't do cigars? <laughs> don't do cigars. Uh, sadly, no. Okay. <laughs> sadly, no. But, but in the new creation, will you smoke cigars? Uh, it depends on who's right about God's opinion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. oh that, was, that was very yeah. diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I see where this is going. This show is brought to you by Logos Online. Logos Online School provides a Christ-centered classical education for grades 7 through 12 that is both affordable and accredited. Mm-hmm. Their mission is to support parents as they raise their children in the nurture and admonition of Jesus. Classes meet online daily, Monday through Thursday with outstanding teachers who take personal interest in your student. And unlike other programs, there are no extra fees for diploma students or honors classes. Register, registration is now open for their fall classes. Uh, Christian, classical, accredited, and affordable. LogosOnlineSchool.com. Check them out. Amen. That's very good. I like Logos Online. It's, it's very rare that you yeah. get an amen after like a read. It was so good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, woo, raise them kids to fear God. Like you said, <laughs> our country is where it is. We right. keep letting the state indoctrinate our children. Yeah. When will Christians wake up? Amen. Go baptize your kids if you have children. Is that, is that what Rod was saying? <laughs> was Rod saying he that? said amen. <laughs> he said it. He said amen. I pull that mic closer to you. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So Joe Biden's coming out with his uh, Second Amendment initiative, or whatever, Re- you, whatever you want to call President it. Biden. Biden. Yeah. Face pony right. Today we're taking steps to confront not just the gun crisis, but what is actually a public health crisis. Uh oh. Nothing. Uh-oh. Nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. They're phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Uh Let me say it again. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic, and it's an international embarrassment. It's a health crisis. What is this stuff? Mm -hmm. It's a health crisis. You know what they do with health crises and epidemics. Yeah. Right? Uh, oh, what's the definition of an epidemic for a gun violence? Doesn't matter, Gabe. Doesn't matter. Yeah. That, that'd, be, that'd be probably a good question he to just ask. If you ask the question, you're a racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 
I think I think you know there was police. You can hear the sirens going off in the back. I think that's just alarms. We should all be hearing right now. Right. Yeah. God tells the best stories, but I mean honestly, you can't pay attention to what's been happening since the whole coronavirus and the way that they've used emergency right. uh, laws uh, not laws executive orders yeah. to shut down the whole emergency because it's an emergency right it's a health crisis it's a health emergency i mean yeah. we saw this even when they're pulling statues down where was that right. like virginia uh richmond virginia they they pulled a they statue the public down uh emergency ordinance because it was a health crisis right yes because you know how statues are a health crisis was it was a robert like, was a robert e lee or or um, Stonewall, Stone, it might have been Stonewall in Richmond, but yeah. uh, health crisis. It, my, the thing that gets me, me and my wife talk about this a lot. You know, when you start removing history, people forget. Yeah, like my children need to know that whatever the case, whatever happened, however you feel about this, we need to know that people who thought they were doing good end up doing bad. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right? right, and if you don't have those monuments to see that, then you forget. And you, how can people do this? You forget your history, and all of a sudden you find yourself in chains again. Right, but I, yeah, exactly. you know, you, you you can't when you start removing your history, you don't take down but the statue. But all of this is connected though to just removing definitions. Right. So you're 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 right. So right, right. define a pandemic. Re- removing <laughs> history is basically the same thing as removing definitions. What is a pandemic? What is an epidemic? What is a health crisis? Right. And what is history? All goes to it. All goes together. We talk to the MP um, from uh, Canada a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, who I'm still not right about that. Point, pointed out that the that the Canadian government um, deleted their definition of pandemic back, back in, in 2009 or something right. like that. Yeah. Yes. And so they've been working with a, an empty sheet now. It's like making it up as they go along. What's a pandemic? Yeah. What's an epidemic? A, a Whatever vi- we say it is. A virus with a 99.7% um, infection, you know, uh, survival rate, survival rate yeah. which is a you know whatever point zero three um, IFR infection right. fatality rate. Yeah. Right. Really, that's a pandemic. A little bit worse than the flu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is right. that a pandemic? But you know, we don't have we don't have definitions. We right. have the same, and so that's you're removing history is the same thing. It's yeah. removing definitions because now everything's flexible. That's well, right. and it, it is all connected. It yeah. absolutely is. It, it's the exact same thing we're seeing with the the pseudo academic debate we're having right now about whether two plus two can equal five. Right. And the irony of wait, that, wait, of we're is, having that. Debate? Yeah, we seem to be. And and the irony of that is, of course, it's straight out of 1984. Right. I mean, yeah. that is exactly mm-hmm. what O'Brien is saying to Winston right. when he says, ultimately, in breaking Winston. Two Time plus out. two equals whatever the state says. That's right. That's no, right. No one knows what 1984 is. Yes. That's part of the problem. Seriously. Yeah, we lost our literacy. Now, now we only read post-colonial literature and radical feminism. <laughs> back, back, yeah, sure. back to the problem with government <laughs> education, statist yeah, education. Yeah. They're teaching our kids what they want. Um, what I'm have, rather than going to places like Logos Online School. Well, the, yeah, other, the, other, the other question I have about this, he says the Second Amendment, no amendment is absolute. Right. Yeah. Well then, who calls the final shot? If, if the, the, the if the Constitution, <laughs> yes, the party, the party. if the, the Constitution state. was supposed to be the highest authority in the land, the highest law in the land, and if it's not absolute I, I, under God, this, yeah, this, right, this, right. this really this really bothers me because. So Nate Wilson, his son right now is dealing with the police because and they are stickers, the sticker gate. Everybody knows sticker about sticker gate, and it's exactly the situation that a lot of people who have been defund the police have been saying like this is a problem. Right. Police have been a particular type of way, and this is happening, and they are nowhere to be found in supporting Nate in this situation. Nowhere. Yep. They should be the first ones to say, "See, we told you it was happening. We support you." They're not supporting him. 
It's the same thing happening right now. Black people should remember the Civil Rights Act of 1860, uh, uh, what was it, 1870? I thought it was Yeah, 1870. I can't remember like when that. it was. The first Civil Rights Act that happened. Um, they, they, they should be aware. If there's no such thing as absolutes in the amendment, then this should make them afraid because they've been yep. through this before. Yep. They had their rights taken away from them with black coats right after that. If it's not absolute, yep. we're in trouble. Yep. And they should all say, they should have stormed the lawn without masks on and say, uh-huh. you got life bent, sir. Yep. <laughs> you got life bent. So he, he goes on to explain, right? Yep. First, want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns. These are guns that are homemade. Ooh, built nice. from a kit. I like that. And include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. Good. They have good. no serial good. numbers. Good. good. So <laughs> when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. Oh. And the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit to make the gun. That's Consequently, working. anyone anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes put together a weapon. We want to treat pistols. How many of these ghost guns have been in the, in these crime scenes? Four. Four? Literally. Like, I think there have been, like, really? four ghost guns that have actually showed up yeah. with all the violence. Yeah, so, like should, so we should take everybody's freedom away be- be- because four people committed crimes with ghost, with guns. ghost guns. Well, it, uh, this Force. is what – kill- go, go ahead. Okay. Modified with stabilizing braces with the seriousness they deserve. A stabilizing brace hook and a pencil essentially – makes that pistol a hell of a lot more accurate Good. than a mini rifle. As mm. a result, it's more lethal. Good. Right. Effectively turning it into a short-barreled rifle. Good. That's what the alleged shooter in Boulder appears to have done. That's bad. I want to be clear that these modifications to firearms that make them more lethal should be subject to the National Firearms Act. No, they shouldn't. The wow. National Firearms Act requires that a potential owner pay $200 fee and submit their name and other identifying information to the Justice Department. Just say they would if they went out and purchased a silencer for a gun. Why, why can't you get so a silencer? I, I think them? that act is um, what requires people who want to like own like machine guns and yeah. uh, more high-powered right. guns yeah. to participate right. in the Justice Act. Yes. I campaigned for president. I wanted to make it easier for states to adopt extreme risk protection order laws. They're also called red flag laws, which mm-hmm. everybody oh. in this... Lawn no, knows, no, but no, many no, people no. listening do not know. These laws allow a police or family member to petition a court in their jurisdiction and say, I want you to temporarily remove from the following people any firearm they may possess. Whoa. Because they're a danger and a crisis. They're presenting a danger to themselves and to others. And we know red flag laws can stop mass shooters before they can <laughs> act out their violent plans. I want to wow. see a national red flag law. Oh, no. And legislation to incentivize states to enact their own incentivize red flag laws. Money, money. Get yes. out. Out. Money. Gestapo is not welcome here. And let's be clear. <laughs> that's not an infringement of the Second Amendment. That is the abolition of due process right. mm. in the 5th and 14th. Wow. Right. This mm-hmm. is, they're just going for all your rights here. Right. It, it, there is literally no due process in a red flag law worthy of the term. It is, it is 
a complete inversion of our legal system. Right. Your so, rights are gone. So what happens is somebody complains that someone so they think so and so is a danger or whatever. To society. And, and, and the, you're, go, let's say you're conservative. They go before a right, they go be, yeah right. I, he, I can, he voted for Donald Trump. He's a danger to society. Danger to society. Uh, but they, but the, the thing that red flag laws do is it allows you to complain to a court and then you have one guy or gal, yeah. a judge, yep. who basically decide, makes the decision. Remove but, the guns from the house. And there, there's no you're, you don't get a chance to defend yourself. This is what no. Rod means by losing due process there's no defense yeah. mechanism that's right and, and sometimes you, you have to go through a long long process to get your firearms back after but the, notice the who fact. gets to complain like the police but you're right but the police right yeah but you're you're basically convicted right on the moment. basis of one testimony right yeah. that's right which is not biblical at all all yeah, all, exactly. all crimes are supposed to be established by two or three witnesses and you should have the right to um, respond to your accuser and cross-examine um, you're accused. Crazy enough, that's actually in the Constitution. But, you know, as you <laughs> hey, know, right. all these things are not absolute. Not absolute. <laughs> not, not absolute. <laughs> don't forget. That's right. Stop don't, it, Rod. Don't forget what he connected this to. Right. He connected this to being an epidemic, right? Right. And yes. so this is the same thing. What? what remember, same thing. Remember the people who are a danger? James Coates and those guys, they're actually having church without yep. mask on. Right. They're For gathering together. 37 Sundays, he said. Right. No, no, no virus. And so don't forget. Like, that is... How he's using it as the right. standard. Here's something else I want to talk about. Everybody who talks about and, and, violence and murder. Real, real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. So the point, I want to underline what you're saying. What they're doing is they're treating everybody as guilty. Exactly. That, so everybody is guilty yes. until proven innocent, yes. which right. is an inversion of biblical justice. That's right. right. I, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 I just, no, no. I just no. wanted to make sure we made that clear. Not to I, mention U.S. justice. <laughs> right, right. right. The, but all these guys are using the gun violence and the murder and the death as a way of saying that this is bad. Right. We people die, and we don't want people dying. In, in the this. same way, they've said some people die right. from COVID. But but they're yes. for, exactly right. But what they're forgetting is there has been. We were looking this up, and I just found nineteen thousand murders of with in twenty twenty in twenty twenty firearms. But the, but the death penalty has only been executed to seventeen people. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So yeah. here's the problem. Why, why do we not have outrage over the lack of executing murderers? There are. Thousands of people out there have no justice for their family. You don't even need a firearm to take justice That's here. Right. No. Yeah. You don't even need a firearm. You can find this person and give them justice. So the death penalty isn't something they don't care about people's lives. They can execute people who kill people. That's God. That's their job. That's, that's, yeah. like, and, that's and justice. Is, and this is how God said you will show that you value the taking of human life. Yes. Yeah. This is, goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes back to the Noahic covenant. Yep. And God told Noah, if somebody sheds man's blood, then his blood will be shed. And that's how you demonstrate that you right. value human life. Yeah. So right now, Genesis six, nine. so yeah. right now in Minnesota, there's no death penalty. Yeah. So if everybody's talking about the whole case with Chauvin, if he gets convicted or not, yeah. if he was actually guilty of murder, there's no justice that's going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you don't talk to me about gun laws and, and right. justice. You guys are missing out on the very basic form of justice. And, be, and if you don't do this, if you don't kill murderers, right. then what you're allowing for is exactly the trash is coming in right now inside of the nation. Wickedness right, is yeah. going to flourish. Right. Murders are going to keep going up because there's no suppressions of wickedness. Right. How come nobody's crying out Romans 13? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's Indeed. Right. That's right, Doc. These people need to be crying out Romans 13 right now because... <laughs> Romans 13 means you close down your churches. <laughs> That's right. And that's all it means. <laughs> but nobody's tagging the government saying, how come you guys aren't following Romans 13? There's murders, thousands of murderers roaming around yeah, out here. Right. We're good, paying Dox. for them in our prisons. Yep. So the victim now has to pay for the murder to live in a jail. Yep. You victimize them twice. Mm. Yep. You better give yourself yes, an organ or something. Mm. More cross politics coming up next with the doctor... 
We're giving him a doctorate. The ninja. <laughs> Honorary cross-politic doctorate for, to Dr. Rod Martin. <laughs> More with cross-politic next. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. He's just going right into it. I did not count down. I know. <laughs> I was trying to make sure Gabe didn't scream. Oh. And so if I caught him off guard, his there rhythm you, would be off. Yeah, it would. And he so would, he wouldn't, wouldn't do his hoo-yah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Welcome back to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. We're grateful, really grateful to have the doctor. Yeah, I just found that out. Rod Martin in the studio with us today. <laughs> From Florida. From Florida. Florida. Florida to Idaho. Yeah, yeah. He founder and CEO of the Martin Organization, a technology entrepreneur, futurist, hedge mm. fund manager, thought leader, and activist mm. from Destin, Florida. He, I especially noted for your role in the startup PayPal. Yeah. Uh, the part of the PayPal mafia, I read. Huh? I'm getting a little worried. Are you? Are you, are you got any music for him? Uh, <laughs> I do everything for you. Where he served as senior advisor to the founder and CEO, Peter Thiel, uh, founder and CEO of Martin Imaging, mm-hmm. which seeks to bring state-of-the-art diagnostics to millions of patients, founder of 10X Capital Management, Navigo, Alpha 2, I know, we know Navigo. Yeah, yeah, we, Navigo. we know those yeah. people. Pharmaceuticals, Agincourt Ventures. What are you not doing? Um, I'm doing more than that says, yeah. and that's disconcerting to say the least. That's, I don't sleep a lot. That's what I, that's what I, I don't sleep a lot. He has previously served as policy director to Governor Mike Huckabee, aide to senior congressional leader John Paul Hammerschmidt. He's a member of the Board of Governors and Gold Circle of the wow. Council for National Policy Committee of the Present Danger. Oh, my goodness. You're in everything. He's part of the How Conservative Baptist Network, too. He, he yes. Also, yeah, um, yeah I, was, I was getting a, a bunch of boards. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to... That's a lot of boards. But uh, Florida Baptist Convention State Board of Missions, officer of the Executive Committee on the Southern Baptist yes. Convention. Yes. Wow. That's huge. Um, and, but most importantly of all, married to Sherry. Yes. Right. Proud father... Of three, grandfather of how many? Two? Just two so far. Yeah, hey, it's all right. Okay. Working on that. There's time. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming coming on Crossbow. We've had you on the show before, yeah. but I think it was via like Zoom or phone call or something. Yeah. Yep. And I think, is this the first time live in the studio? Yeah. 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 I haven't been here before. Well, this is great. Thank you no. so much for coming uh, across the country and sitting in and putting up for, with Gabe. You did election yes. night with us. I that's did. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. That's, had right. Him on. that's right before Both. you had them shut down the vote uh, yes. at 2 a.m. in the morning. Right yeah. before mm-hmm. it was all stolen. Yes. Yep. Yep. Man. Yeah. Well, um, I know we want to talk a little bit about the state of the SBC. Um, since we have a token Baptist in the studio, mm-hmm. we, 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 you know, we try to follow what's going on in the SBC. We have a lot of uh, camaraderie with the faithful there. And, we, and, and so we know you're one of the people there fighting the good fight. Uh, on the executive committee, which is like 
Yeah, way way up there. It's like yeah. it's like a pope kind of sort of. Uh, not cardinal. No. No. It's, it's a cardinal uh, position. Cardinal. It's a cardinal. cardinal. Oh, JD Greer's the pope. JD Greer's the pope. Uh, do you have red jackets and red? No, no, you don't do that. In the, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Give him a minute. Give him a minute. We so, should take up an offering for that. <laughs> He's okay. Hey, just take it from the ERLC. They got a bunch of money. I would be happy to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> talk to us about what you know. What is the state of the SBC right now? I mean. Is, I mean, you know, we had the whole, you know, um, we've been watching for a distance. Um, Knox was down at the at the last convention when they, you know, they had the whole um, thing go down with the what was it resolution number resolution nine, nine. which yeah. Knox voted against because he had a, he had a voting hey, card. Gabe. Hey Gabe, yeah, that's really really disturbing. <laughs> hey Gabe, I, I don't I don't want to bust myself out, but I might be back again. <laughs> we're, we're, Just saying. we're good friends with the founders guys. You, you, you're, oh, yes. you know them as well, Tom Askell, Jared. Uh, Longshore um, and so on and 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 you know he we, we've been following you guys and we know that so there's the kind of the critical theory thing that's uh, been infiltrating we also know you guys recently lost Beth Moore we don't know what that means you know um, what's what's going on in the SBC is is the SBC a Titanic going down or wh- where are you guys no but I think we we definitely have some things to sort out yeah. uh, you know as as you know it's the largest Protestant denomination in the country. Yeah. It, it matters. It, it truly does. Yeah. Our six seminaries educate a third of the seminary students on the continent. That's definitely wow. more than just that our that preachers. Yeah. It Absolutely. affects a lot of different denominations. Absolutely. Um, largest missionary force in the world. So, yeah. you know, it, it is very important that we take it very seriously. The left is certainly taking it seriously. Right. Uh, in 2016, they got a surprise when the Billy Bush tape didn't cause all Christians whatsoever to run fleeing from Donald Trump like t- frightened little girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I don't know why they would think that would happen, considering that the alternative was was Hillary Clinton right. plunging us all into that good night. But <laughs> n- but nevertheless, I mean, most of us were not excited about Donald Trump, but we were very excited about not being turned into a socialist state that persecuted Christians yeah, right. and, and killed every baby it could find just for fun. Right. So, Oof. you know, which, which, and remember the context, you have an open Supreme Court seat. Yep. And Obama had proposed Merrick Garland. You can see how Merrick Garland is a centrist uh-huh. in his actions as attorney general right. now. Right. Um, but Hillary was going to appoint somebody like AOC or, you know, worse. So, <laughs> you know, there was no question what was on the line. Yeah. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment. Oh, by the way, the 14th and the Fifth Amendments, as yeah. we were just describing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is an existential moment. And Christians in a rare moment of, of good sense, stood. Mm-hmm. And so about 86% of Southern Baptists voted for Donald Trump, not necessarily believing that he would do what he said, but being quite certain Hillary would do what she said. Yep. Yep. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, Donald Trump actually turned out to keep more promises than any politician in my lifetime. I was absolutely stunned and amazed. And, uh, and so when they saw that, they realized we really have to double down on co-opting the church because these people are actually in our way. We were on the brink of consolidating power and Christians stopped us. We got to stop them. And Mm. so the heat turned up really dramatically. And I think you would agree that that's been true in many, many denominations. There's the 
radical feminist assault in the OPC, which just floors me. I, I, I guess they didn't have any black people, so they couldn't do critical race theory. You know, <laughs> and, you see, and you see what's happening in, in Dang. You, know, you see what's happening in the PCA and, yeah. and yeah. lots of places. And it's not just limited to Christians. It's right. also that's true. You see it in Buddhists and in the new atheists and all of these different things. There's this huge assault. Coming from, it's easy to single out Soros, but yep. to be fair to George Soros, he's extremely efficient and effective at these things. So, mm-hmm. so him, but many others, Mike Bloomberg has poured a lot of money into this and, mm. and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of effort on the other side taking the church very seriously in a way that church people usually do not take themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. And we have seen some things happen in the SBC at a tempo and pace that you wouldn't have imagined happened. I mean, in 2019, the general take among certain leaders in the SBC was that critical race theory does not exist in the SBC. We don't, uh, you guys are all just conspiracy nuts. What are you thinking? Right. <laughs> Barely a year later, our six seminary presidents are having to come out with a statement that correctly identified critical race theory and intersectionality as incompatible with the Baptist faith and message, which is sort of our unifying confession and uh, for the Presbyterian audience. And, uh, (laughs) and which by the way, was a great statement. Uh I'm not sure that all of them were entirely sincere in signing it, but I'll I'll, I'll say it for you, doc. No, they weren't because they got caught flat footed and, shown to be cowards on the, at that moment when it actually mattered. Well, and I think some of them were very sincere. And, and of course, I, I, would be, I would be disingenuous if I didn't say that that statement was put out largely because Al Mueller is running for president of the SBC. Mm-hmm. I really think that was the motivation. Mm-hmm. But that's not entirely fair. I don't know these men's hearts. I know that's what they did, and the timing looks interesting. Can you connect the dots? Why, why out? Why does it, how, how does that connect to Al Mohler running for he, well, he's well, a president of one Al, of the colleges? Al, I think, has sensed correctly that he's lost a good bit of the right flank. Uh, the creation of the Conservative Baptist Network in February of, of 2020 uh, definitely caught some people off guard. Mm. And, and it has been extremely effective in uniting a lot of people who don't want to see this downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Al, of course, endorsed Donald Trump. He said he would never do that, and, and in 2020 he did, and I'm and I'm grateful for that. I, I'm certainly not knocking him for either of these things. I think they were the right thing to do. What he said uh, on Twitter this week about Beth Moore's renunciation, in effect, of complementarianism, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But uh, I note the timing is interesting because these things didn't <laughs> happen before he was a presidential candidate. Right. I see, and and so. I'm not questioning it. I'm I'm merely noticing a little bit. I have no problem calling out the cowardice that I saw at the convention that year. Tom Askell was laying out there by himself um, trying to fight against Resolution 9, and men that could have come up to the mic didn't. Well, and Al, the chief of them. Because, That's what I mean, yeah. Because, look— you know, Al's amazing in many, many ways, and I love the briefing. I think a lot of people do. But yeah. the fact is, he helped Tom Askell draft the amendment that Tom alone introduced on the floor. That's right. And then he tells Tom, well, I can't actually go and, and uh, go against a faculty member 
at the SBC. Well, oh. the faculty member he's referring to, of course, was Curtis Woods, who was at Southern Seminary at the time. He has since he's since resigned and taken a church. But Curtis was chairman of the resolutions committee and the chief force behind introducing the form of Resolution Nine that got adopted. And so he does that, and then two days later, he's on the briefing attacking. Resolution 9 and critical race theory and intersectionality. So it's like, goodness, if you can do that then, and you certainly don't have a problem firing people at Southern Seminary, you do that right and left, you know, why couldn't you have done it when it counted? If Al Mohler had stood up on the floor for 30 seconds at a microphone, Resolution 9 would have failed 90-10. And I don't think that's lost on any of us. And and I think that's why he has felt a need to shore up his right flank. But in the process, he has lost his left flank. And so Ed Mm -hmm. Litton is now a candidate. And, you know, I, I don't want to overstate the case, but I notice that the North American Mission Board is platforming Ed at every opportunity in the lead up to the annual meeting. I notice that Southern Seminary is sponsoring a lunch that uh, promotes Ed Litton and the pastor of the church where that's happening actively promoted that as a candidate event, even though Southwestern denied it. So it's very clear that Al lost a lot in the process of trying to take care of the right flank. He's got the left flank in in an uproar, and it's just it's a very interesting moment. Does he need the left flank? Why won't he just lean? It seems like he's playing politics instead of being a righteous man. Well, I can't speak to that, but I can say that I think we need a different direction. I don't. I I love Al Mohler. I'm I'm not saying otherwise, but. Virtually every entity in the Southern Baptist Convention is led by a protege of Al Mohler, chief among which is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, led by Russell Moore. The first Al Mohler protege to be installed as the head of one of our other entities. And I think if you think the direction of the SBC right now is what it ought to be, you need to vote for Al. And if you think that we're not woke enough, you need to vote for Ed Litton. And if you're serious about continuing the SBC as a viable font of orthodox belief, you need to vote for Pastor Mike Stone from Georgia, who is an amazing man, Mm. recent chairman of the executive committee, recent past president of the Georgia Baptist Convention, and gets it. And, you know, I, I think that people need to take this very seriously. They need to get messengers out to the annual meeting in June, which I hope will be in Nashville. We'll see. And uh, that's certainly the plan. I think we're all working for that. We got COVID restrictions we're dealing with, but regardless, we got to turn people out. And I think that this is the moment of decision. If we lose this year, we lose this year. You know, it's not the end of the world, but the clock is short. What is losing? Does that mean Ed gets elected? Does that mean Al gets elected? When you say lose, what do you mean? I think it's very, very important that we get a handle on who is appointing. Committees on committees, which then appoint the committee on nominations, which then effectively appoints all the boards of trustees. I think we need to get a handle on that right now, or those boards are going to go a lot more in the wrong direction over the next several years. And some of that, I'm not going to say it's irretrievable because God can do anything, and our polity is designed to be responsive to the messengers. Right. But nevertheless, if if we, the Baptist in the pew, stay asleep in our pew, we will see these institutions co-opted in short order. That process, 
I'm not going to say that our institutions are left-wing. I think mostly that's not true. But the drift is very clear and very open yeah. now. And you mentioned yeah. Beth Moore. Yeah. Beth um, says now openly in the interview with Religious, Religion News Service that she basically changed her belief on complementarianism in 2016. And, you know, I... I Again, I, I hate to question her motives. I, I don't know Beth well, and I and you know I, I'm glad that she's being very forthcoming about where she is now. I think honesty is always a good thing, but I can't help but notice that she got four more years out of her Lifeway contract by not sharing those concerns in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there are a lot of people who benefit by identifying Southern Baptists right now uh-huh. who need to be a little bit more forthcoming about where they actually are. Complementarianism is not, as she called it, a man-made doctrine that just arose in the 20th century. Wow, It's kind of essential to Scripture, and Baptists already had a civil war in the 80s over, in part, that exact point. Right. Now, when Barry Creamer at Criswell College, where I serve on the board, at least for now, um, <laughs> yeah, really, um, you know, comes out and says, well, you know, uh, a woman preaching in chapel is, is absolutely in line with the Baptist faith and message. Well, I, I suppose that you could interpret it that way. I, I, I guess that's a legitimate position to take. And Barry was forthcoming enough to lay it out in print on Twitter. Um, I, I beg to differ. If you have a college that exists almost exclusively for the purpose of training preachers and you're telling them that a woman in chapel is preaching, yeah. right, you're telling them that it's legitimate for a woman to be a preacher. Right. There's no escaping that. That's exactly why the executive committee rebuked First Baptist Orlando uh, a year and a half ago now for for bringing in a woman teaching pastor, that's her title, as a speaker to do an interpretive word thing or whatever she called it at the SBC Pastors Conference. I remember that. We yeah. voted that we voted something we have never done as a body. The executive committee has never taken a stand of any sort against what uh, the pastors' conference leadership could do. And we withdrew their funding and their their invitation to have the pastors' conference on the premises of the Southern Baptist Convention if they let that woman continue. Now, why? Because the message is to Southern Baptists that we don't have a problem with women teaching pastors. And you can disagree with us. You can say that we were all full of, full of ourselves or whatever, but we voted 89% to do something that none of us wanted to do because that many people, pastors and lay people alike, at, at, on the executive committee believe this is sending the message that women pastors it's fine. are fine. Right. And I think that's what Criswell's doing. I think that's what Beth Moore has been doing. I don't think she's alone. And uh, honestly, I, I understand that a lot of these guys are in an echo chamber, and they think that it's fine because all their friends think it's fine. But I don't think the Baptist in the pew thinks that's fine. Well, I got a question. I'm not a mathematician, but 89% is not 100%, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out how Believe that, it or not, I actually followed that man. Yeah. I, <laughs> just trying to figure out how it wasn't 100%. This is pretty clear and clean, right? Well, because honestly, I think all of us were extremely concerned about uh, about 
taking the action itself, maybe? About the action itself. Yeah, uh, there I might have been some people who actually thought that it was perfectly fine. I don't know that. But I, I know that there was a dominant sentiment among all of us that we did not want to get in the business of telling the pastor's conference what it could and couldn't do. But we, those of us who voted in, you know, on, on the side I took were equally concerned that we were sending a message to First Baptist South Succotash that, you know, the SBC is stamping approval. Right. On right. a woman who actually, her title was teaching pastor right. at her non-SBC church, and we're platforming her right. at the SBC pastor's conference. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, 89% is pretty strong. Uh, can, can I go back to something you said earlier about Al Mohler's protégés? Um, if, if I understood you correctly, I mean, you mentioned Russell Moore, you, and you said sort of, you look at the protégés. It, <laughs> it sounded like you were not nonplussed. I think is that accurate? Well, I, he's on the executive committee. Don't give him too much trouble, man. No. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble. He, he brought it up. He brought it up. Look, all, all I would say to that is that it is hard to think of more than well, actually, it's it's hard to think of many uh, leaders in the SBC at the top level who were not platformed in those positions directly or indirectly by Al Mohler. Mm. And I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with those guys. You can judge that for yourself. What I'm saying is that if the SBC has a direction, it was architected by Dr. Mohler. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I couldn't help but think, so I think there's an analogous thing sort of for the PCA. I'm not part of the PCA, but, you know, it's it's a pretty... Uh, it's a Reformed Presbyterian denomination. I grew uh, up in the PCA. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but something similar with Tim Keller, um, yeah. where you have, um, I would say, he's always been a little bit more liberal than I I am, um, but there have been a number of places where I appreciate his position. He's a pretty good apologist, um, great, you know, presenting a defense of, of the existence of God, the go- you know, uh, the gospel, things like that. And I've over the years used some of his stuff. To help unbelievers, where I think it's been really helpful. Um, nevertheless, it seems to me like there's this significant downgrade, though, in his disciples and his protégés. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Scott not. Sauls. It's, it's not the exact same thing, but there seems to be something maybe slightly analogous. No, they can, can come off a little softer, actually. Yeah, and, but I'm just wondering, like, uh, maybe it's not a specific question about Moeller or Keller per se, but why is it that denominations and churches? frequently have a hard time when you have maybe faithful orthodox leaders training up the next generation why why do, why do we have such a hard time bringing in mm. um proteges who then are as good as or better than self-made man their mentors <laughs> um why does that seem to be such a hard thing well it's a good question I, i'm tempted to answer that in a very serious way but instead i'm going to say have you read the book of judges i mean <laughs> this is every every generation yeah. this is just how it works i mean every every generation has to fight these battles anew right. and it is it, it goes back to joshua's day it is it is not surprising that we would see people dragged off in this or that direction that when you look at it in retrospect it's like wait they already did that but the thing about the book of judges as you know better than anybody is when you actually look at the timeline there was actually a long stretch of time between this battle where god delivers them and then this downgrade that follows and 
And it's helpful to remember there's a lot of time in there for a new generation to rise up and they have their own biases and the parents assume that they have educated them on this or that. But of course, the children frequently are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dad, yawn. And and they don't get all of those lessons and they walk right into the same mistakes. So I think a lot of that is where we are. And a lot of it is the echo chamber I mentioned. Some of these guys went to seminary together. Some of these yeah, guys went yeah. to undergrad together. Yeah. They're all buddies. And obviously my buddy yeah. couldn't possibly be yeah. an error. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I want, I want to talk about Mars. Mars, when we come back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that was a very nice and gracious answer. I just want could you check during the break and see if you actually are going to be on the executive committee when we come back? There's a there's a real danger that I won't I be. just want you to know, okay, check your email. I, I, I'm just saying, like, he was already saying it all before I asked about it. I'm, I'm More cro- hey, listen, if you're not on the executive committee, it's his fault. More cross politics <laughs> coming up next. My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996, so I'm coming up on 24 years. When people ask me, does it really work? I say, oh, it works fantastic. I send my money to somebody every month. But we had a need. My wife uh, spent a little bit of time in the hospital about three months ago, and so I had had a checklist with about 39 names on it, and 39 checks came in. Some of the cards, some of the things people had to say, it was amazing to watch. I'm going to pour me some bullish sellers. That's not mine. Where's mine at? That's yours. Man. So, a a club member. Are you going to be in real big trouble now? Well, (laughs) I'm not partaking of any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I I dropped some in your copy. You didn't know it. (laughs) I hope not. Welcome back to Cross Politic. We got the one and only Rod Martin in the studio with us today. We're so grateful to have him. And we have... Uh, some really special gifts from a friend. Yes. Bullish Sellers. Uh, it's, it's sort of a, a whiskey brandy thing. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, is... Here we go. This this um, third segment this hits. Is, this gonna, is, is homemade. is, is going to be really good. Homemade. This is what I get for hanging out with Presbyterians. <laughs> <laughs> you, you knew this was going to happen, man. Uh... You know us well enough. Oh, um, you know, so... As y'all act like y'all ain't be doing this. Come on. I know, yeah. Let's just say that I we know. don't get this on Askel's show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? Hey, but let's not We're, we're like... releasing our own cigar label. We're you, drinking whiskey. You, you need to check what's in Jared's cup, though. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. That would be true. <laughs> I don't know. I know Baptist well enough to know that after the convention leaves, so does half the alcohol that was in the state they were in. <laughs> so don't act like... What's the joke about Baptists in a liquor store? You, 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 you don't... You don't. Uh, they don't recognize each other in the liquor store. Right, right. Or when you go camping, you you bring if you bring a Baptist friend, you got to bring two of them so they hold each other accountable and they don't drink all your beer. <laughs> or wherefore gathered, yes. there's always a fifth. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, as, as as much fun as SBC uh, politics and and all of that is, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that is really um, we we love about your work has been the work that in, in tech technology um and um and all you know all the the tech startups you've been involved in and so on you did a yep. talk at the last uh, fight laugh feast conference in yes. nashville yep. um yes to, to the moon what was it what was it called or, or, or to mars or i mean i don't know it's whatever he said it was i, I, let, I just I, do what gabe says well yeah. most of us do <laughs> yeah. most of us i do. said something like to the moon and back i mean or something like I, yeah. I mean apart from the fact that you said that the first church on the moon was going to be baptist yes um, which I, thought, I will see too <laughs> it, it's because there's no water up there 
<laughs> hey, but have you seen the have you seen what the virus has done to Baptists? Have you seen this? Like, Baptists are actually pouring water inside uh-huh. of a little kiddie pool now. At, because they the coronavirus what? Yeah. set up. So there, there's I, a Baptist church. Okay, who I don't a, care who you are. That's funny. Who had a, <laughs> who had a plastic water bottle Aquafina. and they poured it over. Two Aquafina bottles yeah. and a guy, they just dumped the water. Instead of touching them. Oh, like, oh, so they didn't have to touch them. The coronavirus, yeah. don't touch them. Yeah. So they didn't touch them. I was like, hey, the mode don't matter no more. So like, I, here, I, we, and there's all kinds of stuff we talk about in the technology yeah. world and, and Baptist. Baptizing people with modes. I'm just saying, uh, modes, my point is, if they go to Mars, yeah, maybe they can make they it more Presbyterian than they think. Um, Rod, <laughs> Rod, what, what, um, I'm just, this is, I'm just curious, what technology, what new technology or technological field are you most excited about right now? Honestly, what Elon's doing. I mean, okay. and I don't what mean Neuralink, although that's rockets, kind of amazing. The rockets? Reusability is is transformative. Uh, it it truly is in in this regard. Um, you have a payload that you can launch on an Atlas V, which we've been doing for decades, and you spend about one hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay, you do the same thing on a Falcon Nine, and you spend about sixty two million, and he's spending about half that. Wow! But the larger the fleet grows. And the more he reuses, he's on target to get a launch down to about 700,000. Whoa. Now, what that does on a cost per pound to orbit basis Mm -hmm. is almost mathematically identical to me buying an airline ticket to come here and be on your show. Wow. And me Mm -hmm. building a 737 to come here. Use it once and then build a new right. 737 to go home. Wow. Right. I mean, it is transformative because obviously, as cost drops, demand will increase. And so you're going to see a million people living and working in space mid century, no problem. I mean, it may be the 2060s instead of the 2050s, but we're quibbling. And Can I get a hoverboard first? I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I have no idea. So, I mean, so what would be the value of? People working in space. Oh, everything under the sun. For instance, <laughs> sorry, pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> let's start with mining. You know, everything that's here is there, and a lot of things are there that aren't here. Like For gold? instance, helium three, which is. Uh, which is believed to be exceptionally valuable for nuclear fusion, but it just doesn't really exist in any quantity on Earth. It's very, very plentiful on the moon. So there are a lot of things you could do with resources that exist there that don't exist here. But then there's just a lot of stuff there that we wouldn't have to tear up a rainforest to get. We wouldn't have to pollute a river to mine. Mm -hmm. And Getting it back is easier than getting to it in the first place. But if you drop the cost per pound to orbit, getting equipment up there is actually very easy. So you eliminate a lot of the environmental problems that Mm. we are rightly addressing. And you say, okay, well, Rod's become a Sierra Clubber. But no, that's not the point. The point is if if you open up access to these things, the sheer quantity is so great. Not just the availability, but the quantity is such that... Hopefully in a measured and, and not regulated in the sense of government, but regulated in the sense of, again, measured uh, pace, you collapse the process of so many commodities. Mm. You radically increase what's possible and dramatically improve living standards across the earth. It, it just changes everything. Then you get into things like 
you know, for pharmaceuticals. There are a lot of things you can do in microgravity that you can't do in full Earth gravity. There are a lot of manufacturing processes that would work in space that don't work here. And really? you just you just unleash a golden age is what you do. And the more that we and you know, Elon's big argument is he doesn't think humanity's eggs should all be in one basket. You never know when an asteroid shows up and smacks <laughs> right, the planet. Right. Well, he's not wrong. I mean, we can talk about eschatology all day long, but the point is still valid. Uh, it doesn't matter which eschatological position you have. We've had a war or two. We've had a plague or two. Mm-hmm. You know, so so being safe is is smart as long as you're not annihilating individual liberties. And um, going to Mars does not in, annihilate any individual liberties. It's a it's a huge positive it is actually not filling the earth in the sense of capital e earth yeah. but in the sense of the domain that could possibly be occupied by man yeah you know it is absolutely fulfilling the creation mandate you know the, the, i'm watching the world health organization and the world economic forum um that's really what i'm thinking i'm sorry the world economic forum watching them be able to grow ears and bones and be able to do some amazing things um with the body that seems crazy the, the thing that goes through my head is wow that's a blessing that's huge that could be um something that can transform the world sure but what, what scares me is that they don't have the ethics and to be able to operate with that sort of technology and, oh and absolutely. so so when i hear this i'm excited about it but then i'm like man where are the ethics where's the worldview that be that's able to take this to, usually it's always been Christians in the past, anyway, that have led to a large part of our economic or our, our, scientific. Our, our scientific growth, and from that, economics has exploded. So when I see it now, I don't see Christians in lead of it. I don't see them engaged in it. And then I'm wondering, man, if he does decide to do this, what? Where's the ethics of this going to land at? Well, and the answer is. You know, you have that two-sided coin. One side is the creation mandate, and the other side is the Great Commission. If we are not going into all the world and preaching the gospel to everybody and making disciples of the people to whom we preach, we can expect that those who view the world differently are going to lead. So so we have an evangelistic and discipleship mission. We also have that basic, fundamental, before the fall, and then restated to Noah after the fall, uh, mission of of fill the earth and subdue it, and and we are not doing either of those terribly well. But that doesn't mean we aren't doing them at all. We just need to get better at it and more self conscious yeah. about it. There's yeah. also a there's also a pattern in scripture. I agree with exactly what Rod said, and that it should drive us to the right kind of. Uh, sort of godly envy <laughs> like, right, like, right. Yes. Get, get in on it guys yeah. get yeah, in on yeah. it yeah. Um, but there's also a pattern in scripture where god sometimes lets the the pagans go first that's true yes. and yeah. and they they build stuff and Canaan. invent stuff yep. and then the the plan is they're going to work out kinks they don't have the ethics in a certain way and yeah. there's uh, and so there's all kinds of curses that are involved in it but then he hands over those gifts and allows his he gives the plunder to his people. Uh-huh. He stores up the wealth of the wicked for the just. Exactly. So that's another pattern in here, which is you know that doesn't mean then sit back on your laurels and don't care, or it's okay to be apathetic. It just means that's part of how God's working in this no, story as no. well. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, I I'm going to push in a couple of different directions. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to just throw things at you here. Um, what do you what do you make of the COVID vaccines? I think that the vaccines have okay from a scientific perspective. They're doing some things that are fascinating and being able to tailor vaccines in the way that they have 
uh, is very promising, very encouraging, could be could be a pathway toward a rapid development of vaccines for other things uh, across a, a very wide range of, of diseases that exist or may not yet exist. That's all encouraging. My problem with it is what you were just saying, Knox, the, the ethics of the people involved. And, and I don't mean Pfizer. I mean, yeah. trusting my government is a little hard to do right now when right. we are seeing the way they're <laughs> operating. And, and not just our government, but you see, we're having entire churches confiscated in Canada. Come Canada on, is supposedly a free country filled with nice people. <laughs> I don't see anything free or nice about that. Yeah. Yeah. And no. you know, we were talking about we were talking about Southern Baptist life earlier. It, it is not lost on me that our Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission doesn't seem to be taking a stand on that, unless they've done something in the last day or two that I've missed. They didn't take a stand on. Um, on uh, John MacArthur's situation. No, which is, and it wasn't no. limited to John MacArthur. It's fair to say, well, he's not a Southern Baptist, but their brief, they constantly tell us, is not limited to Southern Baptists. Right. We had a lot of great pastors in California who were affected by by the yeah. California restrictions. Right. Roland Slade, who's the chairman of the executive committee right now, is a pastor in California, uh, a wonderful man, and his church defied the singing ban on the first Sunday. Where was the ERLC? Right. And I'll tell you where they were. Russell Moore was online doing book reviews of children's books, like Where the Wild Things Are. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and rightly ridiculed. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, his friend, and by the way, my friend also, Mark Devers Church, had trouble with their local government in Washington, D.C., right. and the ERLC was right there. You know, okay. because that's how it works, apparently. Yeah, if you're and, friends. Yeah, and I, I just find that horrifying, honestly. So in, in, so in terms of the vaccine, though, uh, the the science of it, th- there's not anything in there that you are, you're aware of that, w- that really worries you, freaks you out. Um, you, you think this is an interesting place to, to explore and the early returns are relatively positive? I think, in general, um, the direction of that science is fascinating and and very positive. Um, I am more than a little bit concerned, however, about the state dictating to us that we take anything into our body. I don't think they have the right to do that. Oh, wait, I know for a fact, constitutionally, (laughs) they do do not have a right to do that. Nothing's absolute. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and where do you end up with that? We're talking about vaccination passports. Well, what else are we going to need a passport for? When Joe Biden tells us plainly that now something which is purely behavioral, gun ownership, Right. basically, right. is a pandemic. Well, he'd say gun violence, but you know what he means. Right. He's pretty plain about it. But, okay, gun violence is a pandemic. Well, that's a human behavioral issue. Yeah. You're saying that thought and action are equivalent to viruses infecting people. Mm-hmm. That's Okay, if you can do that, then you can classify absolutely anything as an emergency to which the Constitution yeah, does right. not apply. And yeah. I would step back from there and point out that the Constitution has no emergency provisions at all. Right. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows yeah. the Constitution to be suspended mm-hmm. ever. Well, if you're, an, if you're a Darwinist, though, you are a behavioralist. Yes. I mean, if you, if you think that everything is material and matter, yeah. um, then fundamentally you do believe that everything is caused by um, these you know chemical reactions. Yes. Mm-hmm. In which case... 
the whole idea of volition and making choices and so forth is completely out the window. Yes. They, they won't say that, but that's, that's the worldview driving this. Although many of them will say that. Joe Biden will not say that because Joe Biden has trouble stringing sentences together. <laughs> but <laughs> but I suspect Kamala Harris would say yeah, uh-huh. Right, yeah. exactly. So yes. I, I, I got a question here. Go for it. Um, Your bring turn. This, bring this back to the business thing. Uh, you know, the Elon Musk, you know, business play, not everyone, actually a majority of Americans can't participate in that. They don't have the money. They don't have the capacity, whatever skills, knowledge and everything. Um, you know, speak to, speak to like the common guy who wants to change the world through his business. Um, you know, he's got, let's say $50,000 to invest, you know, not very much money. What, what would you be telling that guy to do? I thought you said common guy. Yeah. Like $50,000. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to. a lot of government money. He had a lot of kids. Okay. Got a big stimulus check. Got a big stimulus check. A STEMI is huge. But what would you be telling, um, that, that guy and where to put his money? What talking about a cell. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> He's got like a podcast startup. <laughs> yeah, you know, a network. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, everything's a calling. And we just did the vocation episode yeah, for, really for, um, for founders. Yeah. And uh, I think that went well, mostly because you edited it. <laughs> I don't know that I did all that well, you but you made me no, look good. Everything is a calling. Yeah. You know, the. And, we're shown that plainly in scripture in a thousand ways, but nowhere more clearly than this, this idea of the body of Christ where, you know, some are heads and some are hands and some are yeah. whatever, you know, we aren't all called to be pastors. That's a very specific calling. And we're actually told plainly that not many of you ought to want that calling because yeah, you're going right. to be held to a higher standard, Toby. I know. So it's true. So, you know, yeah. then Knox, he can get away with whatever. But yeah. you know, he does. He, he does. does. Exactly. He won't let me get away you know, with much. Or me. You know, I'm just a layman. What do I know? Right. So, so knowing that. Are we thereby saying, as way too many Christians seem to, and some actively do, that no one else has a calling? Well, that's clearly wrong. God has a plan for all of us from before the foundation of the world, and he's working it together flawlessly all the way to its conclusion. And it has already, already been achieved. The victory is already won. We're just getting the the joy of getting to participate in his plan. So everyone has a role to play, and that role matters, whether it's the janitor at the Taco Bell or the doctor down the street who, who gives you the vaccination you may not want, or <laughs> you know, or or you guys doing your podcast, whatever yeah. it is, it matters. It is dignified in much the same way that being an image bearer of of the Lord is mm-hmm. is there's dignity in that, and it all needs to be done enthusiastically to the glory of God. So that's Amen. the foundation. All of these things matter. You may not always be actively engaged in Great Commission ministry, but you are always engaged in creation mandate ministry. Mm-hmm. If Nike, no matter how annoying they may be, makes a good shoe and sells it at a decent price, that's a ministry because people need shoes, and right. they need it at a decent price. So, right. so all of these things count. Now, with that said, right now, I, I'm going to take this maybe a direction you weren't expecting. Right now, the big fad is ESG investing. 
that's environment, social justice, governance, mm. and a lot of very powerful people in, in places uh, where they can control your money that you invest are, are hijacking your investments in your retirement and your pensions and so forth to oh. invest not for shareholder returns, not for shareholder value, but to promote these ESG ideas, mm. which is basically kind of stealing your money to push leftism. Right. So, you know, but we, what's we're new? Fair, but, yeah, <laughs> what's new? And uh, the uh, entire idea of stakeholder capitalism is exactly like the socialist countries, whether it's China or Germany in the 30s or Italy in the 20s or, or anywhere that has allowed companies to exist at all. Uh, where the state takes over their board of directors and in some cases mm. takes over appointing all of their directors. Mm. This is this is nothing new. It's the same playbook always. So, you know, while ESG investing now controls trillions of dollars of investment capital, we are proposing, and by we, I'd say primarily um, the NSIC Institute on which board I serve, there's another one of those boards, yeah. Um, we're training financial advisors. Uh, hope to have an announcement on a partnership with a major university in the next couple months. Okay. Um, we're training financial advisors in LSV investing, Liberty Security Values. And uh, whereas ESG is pretty explicitly anti-American and anti-Christian and mm-hmm. anti-everything we care about, right. uh, LSV is very pointedly aimed at advancing liberty, advancing America's national security, mm-hmm. advancing the beliefs of Christianity, which we're calling values and LSV, ESG, you know. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think it's very, very important that we think in terms of not only the investment itself, but in terms of what is the net result of this to society. Because we aren't libertarians, we're Christians. Right. And as Christians, we're trying to glorify God. That doesn't mean that you put your money in some sinkhole just because it has good intentions, with right. which the road to hell is paved. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you, you want, But you do want an outcome that serves those interests very well. So anyway... Um, Right now, a perfect example of that would be uh, I have a friend who's working on an LNG terminal um, that would export Canadian natural gas to Germany. Well, that, first of all, is a great investment. But second, that actually means that we dramatically reduce Germany's dependence on Russian natural gas. Mm. That, is a, that is a huge positive. Or, for instance... Um, I have a friend who is building a, a payment processor. Well, yeah. when Christians are getting booted off payment processors right, right and left, that's right. we need a payment processor mm-hmm. infrastructure mm-hmm. that will actually let Christians do business. Right. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is kind of foundational. Yeah. Or, you know, you saw what was done to Parler. Well, right, that's yeah. because everybody's on AWS and there right. aren't, Christian or at least conservative-owned server farms in enough abundance. There's a real opportunity in that. Um, and and just on and on and on. There, it, I'm not saying those are the things where you should direct all your focus. I'm not. We're in biotech. We're in some Internet stuff. We're in some other things. But 
if you think through to the end goal, not just how can I meet a need, but how can I meet a need that if it were met would really make the world better, mm-hmm. I think that's how Christians need to think Strategic about it. Strategic and feasible yeah. at yes. the same time. That's really good. And profitable. Because yeah, and profitable. I'm sorry, everybody's talking about yeah. sustainability, but nothing's sustainable if it's not profitable. That's mm-hmm. right. That's so exactly right. Is Bitcoin the future? Um, I think in general, blockchain is the future. I think Bitcoin plays an important role in that. Peter Thiel pointed out some interesting things yesterday, and you should look up the article. It, it just dropped about how um, how in certain respects we might need to view Bitcoin as a Chinese financial weapon against the United States because Bitcoin, not because he's against Bitcoin and right. not because he's not invested in Bitcoin, but because uh, blockchain currencies inherently uh, do more harm to the United States dollar probably than to any other currency. And he has an interesting point there, but the article is valuable for many, many other things mm. he said. So hunt that down. That's, yeah. that's worth okay. reading. But, but no, Bitcoin is, is fascinating. I think the way Bitcoin itself is structured, when you actually have mined the last Bitcoin, it inherently produces a long-term mild deflationary effect that could be problematic, but it isn't really replacing currency so much as it's replacing metals as a standard. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could see you could see a diversity in that in blockchain where you have some things that function more like currency and others that function more like a reserve a a, a value yeah. uh store and, and so uh like gold has yeah. been and uh bitcoin i think falls in that category so rod where do you where do you write at do you have a blog how do people keep track of or follow you follow you well um we haven't been publishing so much at rodmartin.org of late although that is Shame. the place i should send you <laughs> I, i'm simply too busy we have too many things going on especially baptist things but but <laughs> If you'll go to not my Facebook page, but my, my personal profile, you can follow a personal profile, uh, for Rod D. Martin. Yeah. I'm easy, I'm easy to find. Yeah. Um, I'm publishing things there every day yeah. and, and frequently writing essays just kind of off the cuff there. Okay. And, uh, we're going to ramp something up. Gabe keeps trying to talk. We me want you on the network, man. Doing a show. We want you on so the network. We, That's need, what we, yes, want. we would love to have that. We would love to have that. Thanks for being yeah, on the show with us, Rod. I always appreciate it. Right. Thank you. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, close your ears, go baptize them until next week. <laughs> love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. <laughs> go fight. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what verse is that again? <laughs> we did not design a cookie cutter curriculum meant to chop students into appropriately shaped submissives or snowflakes for the secular zeitgeist. We designed our curriculum the way we did because we want our graduates to be equipped to stand courageously against that destructive zeitgeist and to honor their maker and how they, body, mind, and soul, battle to save their communities and the entire Western world from our current diseased insanity. New St. Andrews College is not in the business of rubber stamping graduates for this particular job market or that particular career. We aren't happy unless our graduates are equipped to tackle any constructive cultural task anywhere, from courtrooms to hospitals to job sites to movie sets to the highest risk job and the most important setting of all the raising and training of the next generation of immortal souls 
around dining room tables and in pews. The world may have gone mad, but it's not the first time. It has been saved before and by particular people, many of whom shared a very particular type of education. Augustine, Calvin, Jefferson, Churchill, and many lesser-known heroes in times of madness all had one type of education, one type of training in common. And it's the same kind of rigorous education we currently pursue surrounded by the rolling wheat fields of Idaho. By God's grace, our civilization will be saved or rebuilt from the smoking ruins. The men and women capable of such a task, capable of fearless joy and fiery laughter, all while undertaking such hard cultural labor, those are the kind of graduates we want, the kind we expect. They are why we exist and why we teach what we teach. So you might call it a major in world building or culture shaping or a major in saving civilization. We call it classical Christian liberal arts. New St. Andrews College. Saving Civilization since 1994.